what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. This is Raz and Grassi. We're coming to you live from San Rafael in beautiful Northern California. I'm the president of the Hoffman Institute and teacher of the Hoffman, a teacher of the Hoffman process. We're celebrating 45 years of providing a portal into a bigger life for tens of thousands of people worldwide and um, with 13 sites across 11 countries. Now, the Hoffman Process is an amazing eight-day retreat of personal development and self-discovery of love and spirituality. My co-host, Ed McLoon, is not with us this week. He's teaching the process. But in just a moment, I'm going to be speaking with this week's special guest, Arielle Ford, who's the author of a new book. Her new book is called Wabi Sabi Love, The Art of Finding Perfect Love in an Imperfect Relationship. And uh, by the way, today all callers are going to receive a special gift from us at the Hoffman Institute, either to free participation in a teleclass or a book of your choosing. So you can call us with your questions. Uh, the number is one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. And um, what I want to introduce you to Ariel. For 25 years, Arielle Ford has been living the consciousness revolution in the United States and around the world, and she's been promoting consciousness as a publicist, a radio host, a literary agent, an author, and a relationships expert. She's the author of the bestseller, best-selling book, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. But today she's going to talk to us about her brand-new book, Wabi Sabi Love, the ancient art of finding perfect love in an imperfect relationship. And she's offering us a groundbreaking shift in how couples can have a deeper, more loving, and more fulfilling relationship. Arielle lives in La Jolla, California, with her wonderful husband, Brian Hilliard, and their feline friends. Welcome, Arielle. Thanks, Raz. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm just getting over a cold, but I'm going to be fine. Oh, good. Um Arielle, so loving the imperfection in other people and seeing, is that something like seeing the perfection in all things? What What is wabi-sabi love? Well, uh, let me start at the beginning. Wabi-sabi is an ancient Japanese aesthetic that honors all things old, worn, weathered, imperfect, and impermanent. And it seeks to find beauty and perfection in imperfection. So, for instance, if you had a big vase with a crooked crack down the middle of it, they would put the vase on a pedestal and shine a spotlight on the crack. So with Wabi Sabi Love, we're learning to love and appreciate the cracks in ourselves and those that are in our spouse. Well, that's wonderful. And so how did you happen to write this book? How did you happen to get the insight to apply that, <laughs> that ancient aesthetic to relationships? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a crazy path. I learned about Wabi Sabi in the 1980s when I was doing a lot of public relations for art galleries. And at the time, I was reading all the different art magazines and trades. So that's where I first came across the concept. And I found it really useful to apply to myself because I had a lot of mean girl inner talk and I was constantly, you know, judging myself for different things. And when I learned about Wabi Sabi, I realized that I could 
totally shift my perception and find all the things about myself I was judging as bad or wrong as interesting and quirky and beautiful and useful and totally change my story about it. And then many years later, after I got married and I started to have these days where I wanted to kill my husband, I thought, right. well, maybe I just need to apply wabi-sabi to him. And it worked equally well there. So after my book, The Soulmate Secret, came out, my publisher kept saying, okay, what's the next book? And I've been getting a lot of requests from couples saying, can you please teach me how to turn my mate into my soulmate? And that's how Wabi Sabi Love came to be. Oh, that's fantastic. So you say that being a perfectionist in your relationship is a dead end to happiness. Why is that? Well, here's the sad but true facts. Uh, we already know 50% of first marriages end in divorce. But what you probably don't know is 67% of second marriages and 74% of third marriages end in divorce. And I think this is because we've all been brainwashed by society to seek perfection when there really isn't any. In fact, I think the word perfection needs to be changed to pure fiction. <laughs> <laughs> because when we're always looking for perfection, we're going to end up frustrated and sad and disappointed and unsatisfied <laughs> because it's not possible. So we need to give up trying to find perfection in ourselves and our kids and our mates and our jobs and really learn to love the quirkiness of it all and, and see that when we're, you know, nagging somebody to change and we've been nagging them about the same thing for 15 years, chances are they're never going to change. But what could change is your perception about their behavior. You could make up a whole new story about it. Now, the only place where this isn't true is that you cannot wabi-sabi your way out of abuse, addiction, or bad behavior. But for the general things that our mates do that drive us a little nuts, we could actually use a sense of humor and change of perspective and really have fun with it. Well, that's great because, yes, as you point out, there is a difference between denial and uh, you know putting up with things that you shouldn't tolerate. But we can also use these uh, attempts to uh, think that other people have to satisfy us perfectly to to ruin things, and so there's a way of just being with uh, being with one another that allows us to enjoy the imperfections, enjoy the the quirks and the the fun stuff, and uh, just take a take pleasure in in some the stuff that's really unusual. Yeah, I have a, a really great video on my website that illustrates this so perfectly in two minutes. If you go to wabisabilove.com forward slash video. There's this great, great story there about uh, a woman at her husband's funeral who talks about all the things she misses most about him. And I think most people will find it really enlightening and surprising because, you know, if you really look and see, you know, if this person left the planet tomorrow, would I really be complaining about X, Y, and Z today? Chances are no, not at all. So you have to sort of get your priorities straight. So our guests can go to your website, which is Wabi Sabi Love, that's W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I, love.com, and find that two-minute video, right? Yeah, com forward slash video is the fastest way to get there. Okay, great. Now, we're going to be going on a break for just a couple of minutes. We're going to be starting okay. that in about 10 seconds. But um, uh, I want to invite all of our listeners to come back to our interview here with Ariel Ford author of Wabi Sabi Love, loving the imperfection in ourselves, really, and in others, and call us. Our number here is 1-866-472-5788. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. 
According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And we're back. Today we're speaking with Ariel Ford, author of... Um, several books on relationships, but her latest book is called Wabi Sabi Love, and we're speaking about loving the imperfect in other people. And so, Ariel, um, one of the things in your book is you recommend creating code words with your partner in order to have sort of playful reminders when one of you is headed in the wrong direction. Can you give us some examples of those things? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, one day early on in my relationship with Brian, I found myself standing in front of him with my left hand on my left hip and my right finger in his face. (laughs) And I was (laughs) ragging on him about I don't remember what. And I suddenly stopped myself and I said to him, you know, the next time this happens, and unfortunately I'm afraid there will be a next time, could you just sort of kindly, gently say to me, when did Sheila enter the room? Now, Sheila's my mother's name, and she's amazing and brilliant, and I love her to death, but she also can be a little bossy and overbearing. And Brian got it instantly. He said, yes, I'll do that. And when I'm getting a little too paternalistic, you can just say, when did Wayne arrive, which was his dad's name. So very quickly we found a way to use code words when one of us was getting a little out of control and we would avoid you know, going down the wrong path. That's great. Liza and I recently... Uh, after 33 years of marriage, discovered something very simple, and that is when I say something and I can tell it's not really landing that well over there and I, I wish I hadn't said it, I say, hey, um, I'd like to take that back. Or if she says something, one of us or the other can say, would you consider taking that back? And sometimes those those little clues we send each other are just so important. Yeah, and, you know, you can have fun with it, too. You know, we don't always have to take everything so seriously. So if if somebody's getting a little stressed out, you know, look for a way to either, you know, make them laugh or mimic their body behavior so they can get a sense of, oh, maybe I should just let this go. You know, maybe I could look at this from another perspective. Well, I I like the thing about Sheila and Wayne because it's sort of like my sweetheart's not really here in front of me right now, and um, I'd like her back. Exactly, exactly. And how do we develop a more uh, generous heart? You know, I think it's one of the core principles that you illuminate in Wabi Sabi Love. And tell us a little bit more about what is a generous heart and what does that mean you and know, why is it so important? I had, I had grown up in a home where my father and my brother watched football as much as humanly possible. In fact, I felt like, like I had this sibling called football that I could never win with. And so I swore that when I got married, <coughs> I would never watch sports on TV. That was before I married a jock. Excuse me, my cold is getting to me. (coughs) Anyway, what happened was he wanted to watch basketball all the time. And I I discovered that in order to keep myself sane, I had to find a way to love basketball, too. So I started rooting for all the shortest guys on the team. (coughs) So that's what I mean by developing a generous heart. That's great. You may want to get a little glass of water or something because, you know, developing a generous heart and being open to what the other person likes and finding something in there that they, that they love, finding something beautiful even in, uh, in, in, in something we don't know that much about or don't necessarily spontaneously like 
And Ariel just told us her husband loves basketball, and so she found that she could root for the short people on the team, and it was a way for her to get involved in the game and be with her husband rather than being stuck you know, in her 8-year-old self who didn't like it that her dad and her brother were always watching sports. Right, exactly. And when I did that, you know, Brian and I had uh, differing opinions on movies. I like things like Legally Blonde and Beverly Hills Chihuahua, and he likes documentaries and foreign films. But he finally said to me one day, he goes, you know, as much as I don't personally love those kinds of films, I love hearing you laugh. So anytime you want to go to a silly film, I'll go with you. That's wonderful. Yeah, so that's what I mean by developing a generous heart. Find a way to share your beloved's passion. Even if you don't think you're going to like it initially, get creative and find some way to share that time with them. That's beautiful. What about... um you know, will the wabi-sabi love approach work even, you know, if our relationship is kind of badly damaged or, you know, you, you mentioned the divorce statistics. Some people might feel themselves on the slippery slope heading toward divorce. How can wabi-sabi maybe be an intervention? You know, I've seen it work for lots of people when they're simultaneously doing couples counseling. You know, if, 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 they're, if you're that close to divorce, you really need a professional involved. But if you, if you approach it with the wabi-sabi concept of stop judging your partner, stop making them bad and wrong, and start to appreciate the quirks and the unusual things about them and see if you can shift your perspective about all the ways you want things your way instead of their way. Because the thing that we've discovered that really works is that when you approach your relationship from not what's, what, what do you want or what do I want, but what's best for the relationship, what's most going to serve the relationship, then you're on the same team. You know, then you're both playing for the same side, and it's a lot easier to make better choices. Oh, I love that. So then you're on the same side, which is you're on the side of the relationship instead of on opposite sides against one another. Yeah. That's really strong. That's that's great. Um, So what is something, maybe one thing that, we can do today. Perhaps there are many uh, many people here who find themselves annoyed frequently with their partner, and we need a wabi sabi solution. Can you give us an advice, uh, an, yeah, an advisory that, on that? One thing we could do. The first thing you want to think about is that your partner didn't wake up this morning thinking, "How could I drive Raz crazy today?" <laughs> that was not in their thought process. So if you you're getting driven wife. crazy by something, <laughs> it's not intentional. They're not out there trying to make you nuts. It's just who they are. And just like you, they want to be loved for exactly who they are, all of them. So if you can remember that first and foremost, then, you know, take a little time out, go for a walk, do a heart lock-in, do a little meditation, take a bath, and see if you can find a co-creative, lighthearted way to either shift your perception or come to a new kind of solution because they're not out to get you. That's good to know. Um, hey, listen, we have a caller, Miriam from California. Let's take that call. Miriam, are you there? Yes, I am. Could you give us your question for Ariel? Yeah, I was um, I was thinking about the thing that happens a lot in relationships where people, you know, where people fall in love with someone for a particular thing, and then that thing annoys them like crazy later on. Just how to reframe that? <laughs> yeah, that's what Harville Hendricks calls. You start off with your your biggest dream come true that rapidly devolves into your biggest nightmare. Uh, It's really the nature of relationships that uh, we pick a partner we can have the most healing with. So it's just an ongoing process, but most of us enter in relationships with this misbegotten notion that it's supposed to be happily ever after, when in fact Dr. John Gottman's already proven that Every relationship has nine or ten irreconcilable differences. So we're not always supposed to totally get along, but we are supposed to look for ways to be co-creative and love each other and support each other. So that's about the best answer I can give you right now. That's what I've learned so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd like to I'd like to add one thing, Miriam, which is that uh, I've I've over time learned that. When I find something really beautiful in the other person, something that I love and admire that I really think is great, uh, that forms the basis for for being connected. And uh, 
it's true what what Ariel just said. You know, I fall in love with someone because she's independent and she's not needy, and she's got her own life and she's got her own interests. And then, you know, a little while into it, she doesn't pay attention to me. She's always absorbed in her own things, and you know, it flips. And so, the thing that we love turns out to be the thing that annoys us. And um, a big part of it is recognizing that you're the one who's annoyed and they're still the same and so looking within and finding out well what is it about me that i'm into being annoyed or why am i annoyed all the time this person's not responsible for my happiness i'm responsible for my happiness and giving yourself a chance to find out maybe there's something maybe i'm having something to do with it mm-hmm. but miriam i'd like to ask you to stay on the line uh because you're uh you have We'll receive a special gift from the Hoffman Institute today and just uh, stay on the line and our producers will get your information so we can send you a book. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Miriam. Thank you. Um, yep, thank you. And now, so what's the difference, though, Ariel, between, uh, you know, we don't want to live. Do you think we should wear rose-colored glasses when it comes to seeing each other? I mean... Yes, actually, there's, there was a study done at the University of Buffalo by Dr. Sandra Murray that proved that the happiest couples, the most satisfied couples, do wear rose-colored glasses. They do see the highest and best in their partner, and they're always looking for what's right and what's instead of what's wrong. She actually calls it the Pygmalion effect, or we might call it uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. So you could spend your life grumbling about, oh, they don't do this, they don't do that and looking for what's wrong, and you're going to get to be right. Or you could keep, you know, living in your head with, my partner loves me, they're there to support me, and it's all going to come true. Yeah, and that is, I mean, I'm just thinking about how much I enjoy it when Liza communicates to me how much, you know, something she admires or loves about me or appreciates about me, and it really predisposes me toward being so loving and kind and super special and doing something nice for her and uh, of course i try to make that go the other direction as well but it is so important to take care of each other emotionally isn't it absolutely you know this is this is what you said you wanted your whole life to be about you know you wanted to fall in love and find your beloved and spend your life with a partner so you know like any good thing it requires nurturing and maintenance and care and compassion and consideration so it's not supposed to always be easy but you can definitely turn it into you know something that dreams are made of i love that because yeah love is not necessarily easy it's just fantastic and wonderful right absolutely and raz i want to let your listeners know that if they're interested in getting the book, it's thewabisabibook.com. And if you order the book there, you get five hours of audios of interviews with people like John Gray, Harville Hendricks, Alison Armstrong, and some others. So there's lots of amazing free bonuses that come with the book at thewabisabibook.com. So did you say thewabisabibook.com? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh- Okay, so that's the better way to get that book rather than yes. go on. I mean, you can go on well, Amazon. Well, if you want the bonuses, or, or you can go into any bookstore or any online bookstore to get okay, it as but well. Go to thewabisabibook.com yeah. to get five hours of bonus. The people that Ariel just was speaking about are the top relationships experts in the world. And um, that is, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't buy that for no matter how much you paid. So that is such an incredible bonus, and it's made possible because these people are great friends of Ariel's, and uh, they support her, and she supports them, and it's a wonderful group of people who are who really care about love. So, Ariel, yeah, Ariel, we're at the end of our time. We're going to go to a break, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. You've been fantastic, and I also want to appreciate you and be grateful to you for all the support you've given to the Hoffman Institute over the years, and... We're very grateful to you for uh, your help with us. Thank you, Raz, and I'm very grateful that 21 years ago I did the Hoffman process because it changed my life, and uh, it really was an important part of my own personal growth. So good for you for doing what you do in the world. Thanks, Ariel. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we're going to take a short break and come back to you in a few minutes with someone who's going to speak to you about about really living that love, uh, 
you know, in an, in, you could say in an imperfect world or stepping beyond the perfections or embracing the, the perfections as imperfections as part of what's really perfect about life. And it's our dear Hoffman teacher, Hillary Illick, who was also a life coach and an executive coach. So please call us with your questions, 1-866-472-5788, 1-866-472-5788, or email us, radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. We'll be back in a few minutes. Voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And we're back. We're speaking about loving the imperfections in others and in ourselves and I loved listening to, uh, I really enjoyed listening to Ariel because somehow we all have to learn to transcend what appears to be imperfection in order to connect with a, I would say a kind of a deeper or greater perfection that allows us to really feel so connected and, and at home in life. We're joined now by someone who's very dear to us, uh, a Hoffman process teacher and writer and life coach and executive coach, Hillary Illick. And Hillary, um, uh, I know that you are one of those people who just seems to be able to roll with things and find the best in people and the best in situations. But I also know that you face some uh, pretty big challenges. And if I'm not mistaken, you you have four four kids, right? Mm-hmm. And how many of them are teenagers? Four. Four out of four. Four, four out of four. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're definitely qualified for learning how to maintain sanity in the middle of imperfection. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about what, I know you've listened to the first part of the show. What, is this, uh, what does all this mean to you? I was thinking about this. Um, there's a quote from a Leonard Cohen song, and yeah. it says, um, maybe you know it, it says, ring the bells that still can ring. There is a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. Uh-huh. And so I was thinking about cracks and imperfections as a way of letting the light in. Um, and I love that quote because it's a good reminder about the, the flip side of an imperfection. Yeah. That didn't exactly answer your question about teens. No, but it's, it's true. I mean, here we are. As Americans, we take such pride in the Liberty Bell, and it's got a big crack in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that says something about our, our freedom and our liberty, and it's, 
it's not perfect. It's something we're always working on. And, uh, yeah, we got to love the Liberty Bell even if it's got a crack in it, right? Yeah, and there, there's something – well, that just makes me think about the perfectionism that's in Hollywood and the white teeth and the Botox and the um, – there's, there is something in our culture that is saying we're supposed to be perfect. And I think people who are striving in that direction and trying in that direction feel an emptiness because it's actually not who we really are. Well, Hillary, I wanted to ask you, if you wouldn't mind talking to us a little bit about, um, I know that a couple of years ago you had a profoundly imperfect experience, one that no one would ask for um, when your when your darling daughter was hit by a car, mm-hmm. and yet, um, you know, we were we were connected during that time, and mm-hmm. somehow you dropped into a space of love, something that was that transcended that. And I mean, thank God she healed. But talk to us a little bit about when you were hit, you know, sideways yeah, well, by that by that imperfect, horrible situation, and how you worked your way through it. Your whole family, really. Yeah, I just knocked on wood while you were talking, which I always still do. It was about a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, the experience, as you said, turned out really well. And my daughter healed completely um, from a scenario that did not look like it was going to have a good outcome. Um, and so it's, so I feel... I feel like I feel cautious about talking about how how I did because I don't know how I would have done if the outcome had been different. You know, it, it it was a really good outcome, but there were about three days where she was not conscious and we didn't know what was going to happen. And it is true that there was there was some other level of consciousness or existence that we all dropped into. Yeah, I I remember being connected with you. Yes. and and it was I, uh, it was otherworldly, and and I also saw um, at the scene of the accident when she was um, unconscious on the road, a, a a dragonfly flew by me, and I saw all of the veins in its wings. I saw it as if through a microscope. There was something about time slowing down, but I read about it later. It's the, my brain was in a an altered state. Um, but what I, don't I was know, really... I don't know. It, I did, really, it did allow us to access some other dimension that felt connected to, yeah, well, to yeah, love look, and the it's, divine. It's related to uh, having... You know, if I'm, if I'm having a, a fight with my wife, uh, which we don't do very often, but it has happened, and uh, I hate it. It's not what I want. And yeah. yet... There's right. this there's this sense that well what am I going to do how do I get out of it it's the worst you know, I wish I what do you do and you know you had the situation with Zoe right it was, was Taya my Taya. youngest Taya okay got it and there there it was you didn't want it but I what I observed in you was that you went into a place in your heart yeah that was true and perfect and you brought something perfect within your own heart to this imperfect situation and I think you're uh, like right you said, and you know you what know, it, I don't take credit for it I, there was something about the situation that was so undeniable you know that expression if you fight it's not worth fighting with reality because reality wins yep there was no room for denial right there was a helicopter coming there was an unconscious child there was just no room for magical thinking so at the same time there was also no room for resistance or no there was so there was no resistance and it and there's no room for giving up either yeah so it was, it was all those... an alternate reality versus let's say having a fight i i've been married for 20 something years and uh, in those fights that i get in with my spouse i also hate them um and I'm in resistance. You know what I mean? I'm fighting. Yeah. I wish I weren't fighting. I'm yeah. I'm struggling internally and externally. Whereas in the uh, accident that you're talking about, it was only an external struggle. Something internally just surrendered. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I want to ask you about something else. So I know you're also an executive coach. Yeah. And executive executives are notoriously A-type driven personalities. And yeah. 
you know, they're, they're perfectionistic and they're driving themselves and other people. And what do you do to open up the space around them so that they can, you know, access something greater and bigger that's available to us all the time? Is that part of your coaching? How do you, how do you, how do you work with people who are driven? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, that Leonard Cohen quote I mentioned earlier, I I, I usually will have some quote like that that talks about the possibility that flaws or growth edges are openings, that they're they're openings to the soul. I mean, I think everybody, even high-powered type A executives, want access to their own soul. They want a meaningful connection with themselves and the people in their life. And very often it's through humility. It's through the imperfection that we get that. Like when someone's at the top of their game and lights are turning green for them and everyone everything's going their way, I think the ego sort of takes over and, it, and, so you, and the person can become disconnected. So you just made a, I think, interesting distinction between the soul and the personality. And, you know, we all say we want a soulmate. We don't, we don't say we want a personality mate. Right. <laughs> and, and so what I just kind of heard you saying is, hey, find some ways. Uh, maybe you can t- give us a little coaching on how do you, when you find your personalities butting heads, how do you get beyond that and, and connect at a soul level? Do you have any advice for us or thoughts? Well, yeah, I think it's through vulnerability. I mean, you were talking about the accident my daughter had and the state that I was in. I was so incredibly vulnerable, and I only knew how to reach out for love and receive love. That's all I received and all I asked for. That was the only dimension I was operating on. And so in the case of executives or people for whom everything's going really well, um, in order to drop down to a more soul-level connection, I think people need to find the area where they are vulnerable where they do need love or where someone could help them. You know, asking for help is a great way to make a soul connection. So when when you find yourself kind of at loggerheads with someone or getting on the on that slippery slope with them, um, you're saying that's the point, instead of to become defensive or more locked in, to actually become somewhat more vulnerable to yeah. open yourself up to something. What does that sound like? What, can you give well, us you a, know, I think everyone has had that experience. I hope everyone's had that experience where where you can ship it's disarming to the other person if you're in a conflict to actually get raw and get vulnerable. Hmm. And and you you said what does it sound like? It might sound like, you know what? We're in a fight right now. I hate it. I want to start over or I'm sorry whatever I've done that that's hurt you. I don't like where this is going. You know, let's, yeah. let's take a break. It's kind of what, what Ariel was just saying about take a bath, take a walk, take a break. It's also good sometimes just to say, you know, I'm I'm feeling really hurt right now, and uh, I'm not saying you're trying to hurt me. That's just what I'm feeling, and it's very hard for me to talk through this. And um, I'm sorry if I hurt you, but can we just take a break? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, some way of... Um, of um, yeah, being vulnerable, and, and that vulnerability really means, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging the fact that you're feeling. It's, you're, it's you're, get, yeah, it's getting response. real. And it yeah. doesn't always have to be around something wrong. You know, we're talking about it now around imperfections, and I guess it usually is around an imperfection, but mm-hmm. you can even be vulnerable when you're really happy to see someone. Like, it's it's vulnerable to say, I'm so happy to see you. You mean so much to me. And you're kind of right. opening your heart. Right. It's vulnerable to tell someone you love them, isn't it? Yeah. Lowering the self-protective wall uh-huh. is how to get vulnerable. Okay. So that's the that's the way to open it up. Now, we're going to go on a short break and come back to you with exploring the imperfect in love relationships and using that imperfection that vulnerability to open ourselves to more love to find to use the cracks to let the light come in okay and great. We're, <laughs> we're speaking with Hoffman teacher hillary illick and please call us on air with your questions at one 866 
1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. And we're going to be going to break now. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And we're back now with Hoffman teacher and life coach, executive coach Hillary Illick. And um, Hillary, before... I wanted to ask you to comment on um, how do people how do people deal effectively with disappointment? It seems like uh, you know whether it's a, a fight with we talk about fights with spouses, but there's so many things in life where we we find ourselves disappointed. I imagine as a a coach to executive, someone can get a you know a, a bad 360 review or something highly critical, and um, how do you help people work with that? What's the the secret to, you know, not just putting on a game face and pretending everything is okay, but actually going deeper and finding uh, a way to grow through that? That's a good question. I think that um, disappointment is one of the most difficult human emotions or experiences to bear. I think I watch it in little kids, teenagers, adults, it, being disappointed is, is a major way that we suffer as humans. And I think some people, some wise people, their solution would be to, you know, practice non-attachment and not to have high hopes and, and you know, let things go the way that they go. I, I'm not there yet. I still get my hopes up for lots of things. In fact, I enjoy, I enjoy getting my hopes up. Um, so one way that I deal with disappointment is to let myself be disappointed. One thing one thing I learned in my Hoffman process 12 years ago, I remember Connie was the teacher who said this. She said, if you let your feelings, if you let yourself feel your feelings, they move like clouds in the sky, whereas if you fight with them, you can keep them stuck, you know, and then a low cloud cover comes down and you're stuck in that emotion. And I see that with disappointment a lot. And so one of the things that I'll coach myself and others to do is to actually feel it. Like, yeah, I'm disappointed. I really wanted something different. And it seems to help it move just to validate that feeling and then to be self-loving. Right. Even, I'm so just often... thinking about with 
some coaching I got as uh, when I when my kids were in preschool was if a kid really wanted something and they couldn't have it, like they want ice cream but they can't have it, you can you just validate that. Like, yeah, I bet you really wanted that ice cream right now and you can't have it, and that feels that must feel bad. You know, just sort of make room for all the emotions, and then it can get silly. It can pass and change into something else. So when you're feeling disappointment, when something hasn't turned out as you hoped or expected, instead of judging it as being bad or judging yourself, like there's something wrong with you for being disappointed, you know, we hear people or ourselves say, oh, it wasn't that important anyway. Um, And some people have a strategy of lowering their expectations so they won't be disappointed. But you're really saying instead of that, just acknowledging, I feel really disappointed. Yeah, I wanted something else. I think you, you, I think you just pointed to something that's, that goes back to the beginning of this call too about perfection and imperfection. We live in a culture of such abundance and such plentitude that we have really high expectations. Our days, it's not for, for most of us or many of us, it's not about toiling in the fields. It's not about subsistence level survival each day so we have these high expectations so we we face disappointments often i think and we have these expectations that things are supposed to be perfect and i think um it's really important oh this is what i was also going to say and i think we judge ourselves when we're not perfect when we didn't get the perfect life the perfect whatever because our culture tells us we're supposed to have that so I think to release the self-judgment and to bring in self-care and self-nurturing and self-acceptance for all those emotions that come up can be incredibly healing and can can let us move on. Yeah, and, you know, we're always, I think, being bombarded by these images um, over and over again. I mean, if you just watch television even a little bit, all the images, everyone in every advertisement is so thrilled with those cornflakes or right. so happy that they finally got that car and it's just, well, they're just ecstatic or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so there's always this idea that, that you're supposed to be happy and if you only get this or have that, uh, you are going to be happy. And uh, it's just not true. There's something we're, we're missing, the whole rich part of life, which is connecting to all of it. I think that's really true. I mean, the people who exude the most well-being, I think, are people who are in touch with all of it, the sadness, the vulnerability, the joy, the whimsy, the wonder, the boredom. I mean, it's all there all the time. You, yeah, when you love deeply, you're going to feel deeply. And and uh, there is suffering, there is sadness, it's a normal part of life. And as you allow yourself to feel those disappointments and to feel the sadness, uh, more love opens up. So I think we have to be willing to go with with all of it in order to have more of, you know, if you want more love, you've got to be willing to go into the territory where there is sadness. Yeah, and that's the vulnerability. You know, you were asking earlier, you know, how do we get in touch with our vulnerability we we are vulnerable. I think it's just a question of sitting with what really is. Every single one of us is vulnerable. Every single one of us is going to die, and we don't know when. You know, we're 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 fragile. We're vulnerable. So and what you're there's saying something is really precious about that. Yeah. So what you're saying is that we are vulnerable. We stop are. Pretend, stop pretending we're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of that simple. Although sometimes it doesn't feel that. Sometimes it it can feel really painful. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us, a lot of times, want to defend ourselves and not be vulnerable. Right. And um, so when we go back to what Ariel was speaking about and, and finding what's imperfect, we have to be willing to find it in ourselves also. In fact, we cannot tolerate. It in anybody else if we cannot tolerate it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to love, respect, embrace our own imperfections in order to be tolerant of anyone else's. I think you're so right about that, and we tend to judge others by their actions and their behaviors, and we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and if we could only look inside and see other people meant well. Maybe it didn't turn out exactly the way they wanted it to, but looking inside and being able to say, I could see you really were trying to get that to happen or you meant well. It's yeah, a, I love Ariel's message. It's a good one. Yeah, it's really good. good. Because there is, once you uh, embrace this, this vulnerability and this imperfection, there is a greater wholeness and a greater perfection. There's a wholeness inside of all things and uh, perfect or not, there's a wholeness and that wholeness is, is perfect. And, um, so I think we're, we're gaining a, a tolerance here for ambiguity. Yeah. And confusion. Yeah. And, uh, that gives us, that's a, that gives us a gateway to a greater truth. It's such a relief. It's such a relief. I, I, I used to feel when I was trying to, like, have all my balls in the air as a juggler and, and I was trying so hard to be perfect and I was always falling short. I almost felt like there was music in the background, like, dun 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 <laughs> Like this anxiety provoking music. Yeah. And yeah. I don't feel that anymore. That's it's beautiful. just like a relief. I mean, I, I, not to say that I don't have pain and sadness because sure, I do, sure. but I don't have well, that don't extra have the, layer uh, of stress the, of trying to be perfect. The, music, the music's not going on. Yeah. Uh, Hillary, I really want to thank you for spending time today with us and sharing your life or your heart with us. And, uh, for those of you who are listening and want to know more information about the Hoffman process, there is a free introductory call going on right after the show. And you can just log on at www.hoffmaninstitute.org, and you'll find those call-in details right there at hoffmaninstitute.org, and you can call in to learn more about the Hoffman process. There's a free introductory call. People are calling in from all over the United States for that call, which happens every week at this time. And also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. So thank you for listening, and looking forward to speaking next week when we have our friend David Fishoff the founder of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then... Make it an outstanding week.